Welcome back to another Unreal to Real podcast. Uh, this week I had the privilege and pleasure of hanging out with a little lady named Angie Gallegos. Um, she is currently the world record holder in bench press for her weight, which is 123 pounds. Um, but despite her small stature, she is a uh, glowing kind of orb of of uh, direction and focus. I mean, you can see it in the girl's eyes. She she is driven, and it's good to see. Uh, we talk about um, her life and growing up and kind of the hard hardship she's gone through, and um, just her revelations um, that occurred um, on her way to wanting to set these world records and, and Colorado state records that she has. Um, she is the current Colorado state record holder for uh, the back squat, the bench press, and the deadlift as well. Um, and her bench, bench press world record is 162 pounds. And like I said, she only weighs a 123 pounds. Um, so it's amazing to me. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to talk to her about, you know, the focus that, that it's needed to take and just going to this happy place when you know that you have to lift more than your body weight, you know. Um, and um, it must be a very enthralling kind of moment and mindset that you have to have to just really uh, be able to outdo what is almost physically impossible um, just to to break these boundaries um, is liberation in, in its truest sense um, and so it just it kind of got me thinking about significance and what is significant and um, what do we really hold true and dear and important in our lives um, you know a glass of water might seem insignificant to a normal person on a normal day but uh, the same glass of water would be quite significant um, if you were dying of thirst in the middle of the desert. Um, you know, lifting a stone or a brick up is probably quite insignificant, but lifting a brick into a house that you've built with your own two hands um, exaggerates the significance and exaggerates the importance of these things. Uh, so 162 pounds might seem, you know, uh, insignificant in a way. To, to someone that weighs 500 pounds, but to someone that only weighs 123 pounds, um, it's, it's highly, highly motivational and, and um, inspirational to see her lift this kind of weight. Um, so just the challenge that uh, she's imposed on herself um, and to overcome those challenges is significant. And that's really kind of what the theme of this podcast is, is defining your own boundaries and defining your own significance and choosing to to carry on and, and to break through these boundaries and to overcome obstacles uh, despite what other people tell you or the things that you've gone through or whatever it may be. Um, the significance is always there when you, when you allow it to be. And it's cool to meet people like Angela, um, Angie, she, she goes by, but uh, because they offer this um, outlier kind of idealism and this um, this difference from a normal person. Um, they're living. They're always pushing the envelope. They're always expanding um, humans' own physical and mental barriers. Uh, so we got to kind of go inside of Angie's head, and you can see her on the YouTube or on the Instagram channel that I posted below, and. 
listen to her. She's very humble. She's very um, uh, well-spoken, and she's just a driven young lady. And it was fun to talk with her. It's Unreal the Real, episode 64. Eager-eared, unreal-to-real listeners out there in Never Neverland. This is Hans, your local and uh, honorable host, as always. Um, today, I'm back again at the Yellow Carrot. We uh, we've been here the last few weeks. We're really discussing the Yellow Carrot's prowess for making the best food in town, and they are having an um, amazing kind of month-long grand opening to really reintroduce the locals to. Their new location here at uh, 30, just past 32nd Street in North Main, Durango, Colorado, and as well as uh, getting some new people in, trying um, to try the new stuff out that they have. They have a, a huge assortment and array of different desserts and um, and breakfast, lunch, and dinner items, as well as just uh, their amazing caterers and um, just they're on the forefront of creating really cool new foods that are either gluten-free, grain-free, or um, sugar-free foods that are um, accessible and easy to kind of digest for those people out there that might have celiac disease or might have um, intolerance to dairy and and these kind of things that are becoming more and more prevalent in our world today. Um, And on that note, uh, another thing that's more and more prevalent is people being healthy and people working out and people really kind of pushing the limits and the envelope of their own lives and just kind of testing their own boundaries and making themselves into better human beings. And that's kind of why I brought um, our guest on today. Her name is Angela Gallegos, and um, she's an all-around kind of um, physical being. You know, she's uh, pushing the envelope in especially the weight, the weightlifting competitions that she's entering. But um, she's kind of doing some really cool stuff. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Angela. Thanks for coming on. Um, so Angela, just to give everyone kind of a little background, I, uh, I was here at the Yellow Carrot, um, a few nights ago, we had a hockey team, my hockey team actually won the championship and we were having kind of a championship dinner and you showed up with a friend, um, one of our hockey players, his sister, uh, big shout out to Kevin Blue and Katie Blue, by the way. Um, but you showed up with them and I was introduced to you briefly and, then you, you had somewhere to be, so you took off, and uh, we continued with our celebratory dinner, our champion's feast, if you will. And um, you took off, and Katie was actually kind of showing you off for me, and she showed me this video of you um, doing the world record power lift. Is that correct? That's correct. The, it was in bench. The bench, the bench press. Okay. Um, can you give us 
just first off, this video was so impressive that I was like, I need, I, I really wanted to interview you um, because I could just see the focus in your eyes. I could see the technique and just the, I, I was left with this impression of you that was just like, I, I was blown away. Um, so can you kind of just talk about it? I will link the um, video at the bottom of our podcast, but can you maybe talk about that specific event and then maybe go into what you actually do? Yeah, of course. So last year in November, it was Worlds for Powerlifting, and it was they hold it every year in Vegas. Um, I started powerlifting. It was crazy because I didn't start powerlifting right away. I started as of last year competing seriously in February, um, and I did my first powerlifting meet in Denver. Um, going in, like, kind of closed-minded, not really knowing what I was doing, um, and then while I was at the competition, there was a few people who were breaking Colorado State records, and I was just curious to look online of what they were. And um, just from my background of weightlifting, I was like, these are all extremely practical to break. So again, in May, I trained all the way up to May to do a more serious competition in Albuquerque. Um, there, that's when I broke all the Colorado State records for back squat, bench press, and deadlift. Um, and for that competition, I was able to qualify for Worlds in November, which was hosted in Vegas. And Worlds, you have all your countries from all over that they come in and compete. And um, I looked at what the world record was currently for bench press. And it was not so, in my personal opinion, it wasn't that super high. So I knew I could beat it. And that was what I was going into Worlds, knowing I can beat the world record. So that was, that was my main focus going into that. That's pretty inspirational. Um, can you define that video that I'm going to post? Um, can you give me the exact weight of, of the bench press that you made that day? Yeah, so that bench press. So in powerlifting, you have three attempts per movement. So that was my second attempt. And it was only at 162 pounds. Um, and it's crazy because now my max is 190. So it's kind of changed drastically. So wow. coming in this year, it's going to be a different mindset going in. But... Yeah, it was just 162, and even then, that I don't even think it was that heavy. Wow. Um, I mean, I'm in good shape, and I don't know if I could put up 162, but it was so impressive. And you, you were actually telling me that your walking around weight is 124 pounds or so today. Right. As of right now, because I'm leading up going into nationals for weightlifting, I'm sitting at 124 pounds, but on a normal day, I sit at 130 pounds. Um, but yeah, for powerlifting, I cut down to 123. So realistically right now, it's not that bad. And for weightlifting, I cut down to 121. So every weight cut, I'm always looking at um, about eight pounds to lose, Wow. give or take. So. Is there, um, do you know how many different divisions there are, like weight divisions? Is it like boxing? Is there like a featherweight, flyweight? Um, or is there just kind of like... I mean, do you know the divisions for for women's or men's? Um, kind of define define it for us a little bit more. So for powerlifting, um, so there's something similar to that. So there is a weight class that's 115 pounds and below. So anyone will fall in that class. So that's like your super lightweights. Um, and then I'm in the next weight class, which is 56 kilos, which is 123. So 116 pounds to 123 pounds will be in that weight class. And then I believe the next weight class is 124 pounds to 132. And then 
that they kind of go up about like 10 pounds so about 10 pounds per um yeah yeah and above that i don't even know because i don't even focus on those weight classes i just kind of like more in tune with mine right um and it is it possible to obviously like change your weight classes you know like maybe as you get older you would go into a higher weight class etc cetera, etc cetera, and hold records in all these different classes oh most definitely so i think in february of last year i cut 15 pounds for um, a competition that was the most way of cut and um, I mean sometimes cutting a lot of weight doesn't mean you're going to be stronger you kind of are playing it by ear and I think that was the last time I decided to cut that much weight because it was too much for me but I definitely could come down another 15 pounds and re-break those um, state records world records at 115 so yeah you can have I think there's a person currently who has I think she did that I'm not too sure what her name is, but yeah. she owns multiple records then. Right, yeah, yeah, you can definitely do that. It's always a possibility. That's awesome. I mean, part of this, uh, part of the reason I wanted to talk to you and bring you onto the podcast is because I did want to talk to you about your regimen, um, cutting weight, your nutrition, your meals, your training um, uh, intensities, basically. Uh, can Can you basically give us a run through? Like, for me, like, before a hockey game, for instance, I don't know if I'm supposed to eat that much, how, how I'm supposed to eat, if I should carb load like the night before, if I should not eat anything that day. Um, kind of walk us through what you, what you do, because it's like, for you, I see you're, you're hundred, you're, you're very tiny, you're 123 pounds, but you're putting up massive amounts of weights. So like you just said, 190 pounds. And that's just, that's more weight than you weigh. And that to me is unreal. It's really kind of cool to see, you're like a human ant, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're carrying more weight than you possibly, than anyone could ever expect you to do. Um, I'm sure part of it is technique, but part of it is just, you're focused, you're, you're, um, really conducing your, your, your body to be a machine and it's, everything's got to be working on this level of, of being a completely optimal hundred percent all the time for you to be able to put up this, these kind of numbers. Um, can you maybe give us like, the whole when let's say like you're you know you're going to go into a competition in a month can you give us an overview of what you like your layout of your nutrition maybe your meals and your training how how you train for these kind of things yeah um it's kind of sad when i tell people about my meal plan because it's not like always the best meal plan so saying we're four weeks out um usually i kind of not I'm really lenient about my diet, kind of eat whatever I want. The only thing I do restrict is alcohol. So if I'm craving any alcoholic beverage, it's going to be a vodka soda because it doesn't have so much calories. I can't have beer or anything. Um, I have to give a shout out to my sister, who's essentially my nutritionist. So she does all my cooking. So she'll make sure I'm eating enough protein, enough vegetables. Um, Without her, I honestly would be so lost because... um, it's not like I can't cook. I'm not going to cook chicken every night, so I'll probably yeah. like either eat pizza or have donuts. Um, so having her helping me is definitely a big benefit, especially it's helped me so much grow. Um, so four weeks out, I'm definitely high on carbs, high on protein. So I'm eating close to essentially maybe 4,000 calories a day. Um, I couldn't break that out. My sister probably could for you. Um, and then... You're looking at two-hour training sessions twice a day, so two hours in the morning. So I usually wake up at 5, get ready to go to the gym, and do 
Um, it won't be really much technique work just because I'm essentially tired, so I can't really be snatching in the morning. Um, so I'll just do a lot of more accessories, so like heavy back squats or heavy front squats. And then I'll go ahead and have like my first meal, which will be a shake, a protein shake. And then I get to work and I'll eat again. And then I'll have my meals throughout the day. And then I'll go ahead and go to the gym again for another two hours and retrain. Um, so essentially that will be six times a week is repetitive. And then going three weeks out, depending on how much I weigh, that's when things kind of get more strict. So I'll limit my carbs, less sugar. Um, so I'll be high in protein, not so much carbs. So you won't be seeing me like eating a donut or anything, like no more sugar. Um, but it all depends on how much I weigh because if I'm still 10 pounds over, it's still not that big of a deal for me. And then, same thing, training is twice a day for two hours. Um, and then two weeks out, kind of everything alters because that's when I'm trying to cut back on weight, so my carbs get reduced heavily. So 4,000 turns into 3,000 calories. Um, still high protein, still carbs. Um, the same thing, um, no sugar is gonna be involved in that. And then same thing, two hours out and then me personally, a lot of people train differently than what I do. I'm still doing 90% of all my maxes, so I'm still training heavily. And then the week of, um, so I do a water cut. So I water load on Monday, to, or more than depending on like when I compete, especially for bigger competitions, I always compete in the week. So I do a water cut, kind of cut like how MMA fighters would do. So I still eat throughout the whole week. So Saying I have eight pounds to lose, on Monday I'll drink a gallon and a half of water. Same thing on Tuesday, and then Wednesday it cuts down to half a gallon, and Thursday it's, you have two liters, and on Friday you have a cup of water. So I'm just losing water weight at that point. Um, and usually the week of, there's almost no carbs in my body. So um, depending on powerlifting or weightlifting, which competition I'm doing. So if I do powerlifting, I weigh in the day before. So usually you weigh in in the morning and then you have the full day to replenish. So you, what I typically do, cause my sodium's kind of low. So I'll put in like 600 milligrams of sodium right away to like kind of get everything back up. Sure. My glucose is low, so I'll eat gummy bears to get my sugar up. Okay. And then it's gonna be something high carb, but something that won't make me sick. So like um, maybe pancakes. Oh, okay. So I know it's, it's what I typically eat or like a peanut butter and jelly. But for weightlifting, you only have you wait two hours before you compete, so it's kind of the same thing. I usually won't eat anything the day before because I'm usually out weight, so if you want to try to eat anything, um, you're kind of risking it. And yeah, I'll make weight, put in 600 milligrams of sodium, glucose goes back up, usually just eat a PB&J, and I'm usually at that point, I'm not so much hungry as I am thirsty um, because you would have had 24 hours without water so it's already hard enough. And then once you replenish, um, especially with the sodium, your energy kind of goes up drastically. And the week of usually one of my training sessions gets cut. So the, my morning sessions, I can kind of sleep a little bit more because um, my body's already going in overdrive with cutting weight. Um, so I'll do like two hours still in the evening and then it'll be maybe not as intense. So like maybe on a Wednesday, I'll hit all my openers and then Thursday, I'll kind of relax. Friday, same thing, I'll just move the barbell, and then usually Saturday, I compete. Right. 
so it's all it's a complete focus the last week of you're kind of like okay now i'm um this is where the nutritionist really comes in because they are um very very strict on what's going in your body um you are just essentially focused on on your task at hand but do you have this sense of your like are you intact with your body like for me i feel like if i was to cut that much weight um i mean i am obviously older than you you're you're still how old are you 23 yeah you're you're young so like your metabolism's a little different um when you're young but like obviously um fatigue is is a huge factor you don't want to be fatigued you don't want to be over carb loaded you don't want to um you don't want to be obviously alcohol would would induce you know your body to kind of feel um flat and and, and not as powerful um stuff like that um on the day of these competitions do you feel like you're ready like obviously you must feel mentally strong you're ready to go but um do you ever worry about like oh man this my body's not feeling right um do you ever have those like questions like oh maybe uh, maybe i'm a little weaker than i should or i'm dehydrated i can definitely feel it in my body um can you kind of elaborate on if if you've ever had those kind of emergencies like you said you're weighing in two hours before the before you compete so it's almost like you have been cutting all this weight for the last week and then you know two hours away you're you've been cutting weight and two hours away now you have to compete like is there ever been like any warning bells or sirens that have gone off that are like my body's just not right right now um you know obviously not it seems like you're you're uh, ready to go like when you you're putting up these these world records you're obviously performing performing optimally um so i guess not but is there are you what, what, I guess the question I'm trying to ask is, are you so in touch with your body that you know, okay, I need more water, I need more carbs right now, or I need more uh, maybe lean protein or something like that? Um, yeah, I think I've learned heavily after my first major wake up when I dropped 15 pounds in a week. So I went from being from 130 because that Monday I weighed exactly 130 and I had to be 115 and below. So that was the most severe wake I've ever done because two or when I was weighing in, I was still a pound and a half over and um, my body essentially wasn't sweating anymore. So you're kind of in the red zone that you can, I think in fight, I think you can get kidney failure from that. It's not good. Yeah, Um, it's like ketosis is essentially what's going on. Right, right? so like I had no energy and I didn't know how I was gonna replenish. That was like, probably my biggest fear but I also wasn't going into that competition I think that was like when I was first trying to get more serious into it um I had my sister with me so essentially what we did is like we put trash bags on me everyone gave me their hoodies and I just was on the row machine um even then after I replenished I had like Gatorade I had everything um it's like after you go running and your legs feel jiggly like I had that going into the into the me and it wasn't a good feeling, yeah. so like you essentially can't even stabilize yourself as you're lifting. Right. So I think after that, I kind of learned. Um, and then my second cut, I like decided not to do kind of severe cuts like that. So um, usually, like the week of, especially since I'm my carbs are down and like my glucose is really low. Like if I feel like I get that like that little jitsy feeling, um, I'll definitely start eating gummy bears and gummy bears are my go-to. And a lot of people will probably say like, that's not good for you, but I kind of don't care at the moment. And um, I remember going into university nationals this year, I had to drive to Vegas. I decided to drive and it's like a nine hour drive. And 
um, the day before I drove, I was still four pounds over, and I kind of, I was like beyond scared because I was like, I don't know if I can drop these four pounds this fast. So I essentially drove Vegas with the, like the heater on and just trying to sweat. And so I got there and I weighed exactly what I was supposed to, like 121, which was 55 kilos. Um, and I went directly to the training hall and I was training and like, I just like, my head was all over the place. So I figured if I had like half a cup of water, I would be fine. That's what I did. And I had plain chicken with egg whites. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, you play by ear, but you have to also be extremely cautious the day before because if you especially going into nationals or any of those bigger meets if you don't make weight you don't compete like you don't move like a comparison to a local meet if you are in the next weight class you'll just compete at that weight class but nationals you're you qualify to be in that weight class so you kind of don't mess around but um even then I know I can drop four pounds in like an hour if I really needed to um so but I feel like now I'm so in tune with like how my cut needs to be what I need to drink what I can have that's not a big deal. And you foresee it coming. It's not like, oh, God, I need to lose 10 pounds in three days. It's more like, okay, this whole month I need to lose 10 pounds. Let's gradually get this done. Right. So essentially going into this nationals, um, because this is senior nationals for weightlifting, and it's in Tennessee. Um, I competed like two weeks ago, and I just decided I'll maintain weight and kind of keep my clean eating. Obviously not right at the moment, but... Yeah, weighing 124 and only having three pounds to cut is ideal. Like, I still have a week and a half to cut, and that's nothing at this point. Yeah, I can dehydrate tonight and be 121 tomorrow. That's great. Um, To me, I mean, it sounds like kind of my own living hell to be covered in trash bags and hoodies and, like, thrown in a sauna and, like, you're on an elliptical in the sauna or something, you know? And it's like you have to keep pushing even though your body's totally drained. You know, like you, like you said, you're not even sweating anymore. So there's, like, just every little ounce of water you're trying to squeeze out of you and you're almost to the point of, like, complete depletion anyway. Right. Um, it seems like, to me, and I have part of the reason I brought you on the show is because I have no clue of, of the weightlifting world and I wanted a little more insight of it. But to me, it seems like that's the hell of, of weightlifting is like the cutting of the weight, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the, the weeks leading up to the event. And then when you get to the event, you're like, Oh, well I have to put up, you know, I have to, um, bench press three different times. And that's, you know, relatively easy compared to the last two weeks that I've been just pushing my body to, to lose this extra four or five pounds, you know? Um, do you, when I watch this video, um, and, and you folks back home, you'll see that you like, you, uh, kind of twerk your back. You're like arching your back before you, you, um, do the, do the power, the, the, the bench press. Um, is this like a technique that that's utilized or is this just you, um, just throwing your all into it i is there is there an actual like technique that maybe you can go over with putting up so much weight for you know one person i mean is there a technique that you're thinking is there is there a mental kind of checklist in your head when you when you're underneath the bar there yeah so for power lifting there's specific rules that you have to follow for example for bench press your shoulders and your glutes and your feet have to always beyond like your shoulders and your glutes have to always be touching the bench so the reason why people arch their backs is to have less distance to push the bar so the more you can arch it the less of a distance it is to push it up and it kind of gives you 
lot of people say it's cheating, but I mean, when you're at that level, no one really cares what's yeah. happening. I mean, you're going to do what you can in order to win. Um, and I also widened my grip quite drastically now. I used to be extremely narrow, but I've learned. It took a while to get used to it, but the wider my grip is, the less, uh, I guess, movement I have to even push the bar or press it. So I think right now I'm trying to like get even wider and like more of an arch, but it's kind of a mobility thing at the moment where I just can't bend the same way I used right, to. Right, right. Um, and then essentially you want your feet to be on the ground nice and planted. And a lot of people think like benching is, I mean, obviously you're using a lot of your chest, but a lot of your power comes from your legs. Like that's on all your movements, all your power is from your legs. So it's kind of hard to see in the video, but... I'm pushing extremely hard with my legs to get the weight to move up, and um, you got to make sure your glutes don't come off the bench because that would be a no rep. Right. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, even though powerlifting isn't technical, there's a lot of rules you just have to follow and make sure you get um, because it would be unfortunate for you to be able to press the bar and your glutes came up, and that's a no rep, which isn't good. Right. And you said before we started that there's. There's only two competitions in uh, Olympic weightlifting, and that, is that correct? Right. There's two movements. So you have your snatch, which starts on the ground, and it goes completely overhead in one movement. And clean and jerk, you have two movements, which uh, starts on the ground, and it goes to your shoulders, and then shoulders to overhead. Okay. And um, do you have a particular movement that you f- feel like you excel at that's maybe your favorite um, something that you're maybe looking forward to more or comes easier to you than the other ones? Um, definitely clean and jerk on Olympic lifting. And then for powerlifting, it would be bench press because that's what I've excelled in, which is weird because I used to not like it so much. But yeah, clean and jerk, it's definitely my favorite because even though it is technical, um, there's almost less movement for air than in snatch because in snatch, sometimes you may not even get under the bar and it's just so technical and so hard. Right. Um, but even though right now snatch has been going up crazy fast than what I anticipated, um, but yeah, I love clean and jerking. Nice. Um, well, that's cool. The, this leads me to the next question, um, which be- basically begs me: How did you get involved in all this? Like, what started you? What What was the inspiration um, for you to be like, hey, you know what? I want to lift heavy metal over my head that weighs way more than my body. That doesn't seem like <laughs> something a young girl might want to like join up or sign up to do. You know? Right. Yeah. It was definitely crazy when I started because I didn't even think I was going to be in this kind of sport. So when I graduated from high school, um, I went to college to play volleyball. And during the summer, I needed to stay in shape. So I started CrossFit. Um, and I started actually CrossFit, uh, CrossFit Pagosa and Pagosa Springs. And during that, like, um, if, yeah, CrossFit, you kind of start getting the idea of Olympic lifting. But even then, I just thought of it was like kind of part of the workouts. And then when I moved back to Alamosa, I went to school at Adams State University. Um, I joined the CrossFit gym there, and there was a coach or a guy training in the back. His name is John, who's one of my best friends still. Kind of got me more involved in it and said I would do a lot better in Olympic lifting than I would do in CrossFit. And I still was kind of stubborn about even wanting to fully commit to it because I I didn't really enjoy Olympic lifting. The... Yeah, I enjoyed CrossFit so much more, and my plan was to try to make it to the games. 
Um, but then I just couldn't dedicate that much time to the whole genre of like CrossFit because like those athletes train all day and Olympic lifting, you can train twice a day and just be equally as good as everyone else. Um, so I think like when I graduated college, so I played college lacrosse, I transitioned from volleyball and I played college lacrosse. So that's what I ended up with. And I still kind of had like that competitive desire to still want to compete. Um, and that's just me as a person. So when I moved here to Durango, I joined the CrossFit gym. Same thing. They had an Olympic lifting team, and they told me I would do really good in it, and I still wouldn't want to join because I was still focused on CrossFit. And then I did my first meet. They just told me to go, and it was in Colorado Springs, and I, I was terrible. Like, I was not good, and I didn't think I was going to excel at it. But I think what I enjoyed is, like, I noticed an improvement so fast. Like, I was just getting stronger and stronger, and that's the same thing with powerlifting. I just knew I could beat all these records in a short period of time, and, um, I mean, that might be not the case for everyone, but I think going into Worlds, I decided I would stop CrossFit altogether because it wasn't really benefiting me at the point. It was just making me more tired, and I would just focus on weightlifting, and I just saw it was a lot better for me just in the long run, and this is what I wanted to focus on, and... So far, it's been good to me because I've been able to travel quite a bit because of it. Nice. Yeah, I love your mindset. Um, you've mentioned a couple times where you're even like getting into this competition. Um, you would see, you know, a particular weight, and you're like, "Oh, that's the world record. I feel like I could beat that, no problem." <laughs> um, and to me, that that's kind of what makes champions is a mindset. Like, I'll look at like. Uh, NBA players or something, for example, um, like LeBron James versus um, a normal NBA player, uh, they're not going to look drastically different. Their body types aren't, you know, fundamentally different. It's really the mindset of LeBron James saying, I want this or I can do this, you know, and just have it set in their mind. And you kind of have that same champions kind of idealism, like, I can do this, no problem, done. Whereas most people would look at it as like a mountain that they might not ever be able to climb that's totally unattainable, you know? Um, whereas you're just like, this is something that's totally in my capacity to do. I'm going to have to work really hard, but it's I, I've already envisioned it happening. And that's kind of um, why I wanted to bring you on, you know, it's just uh, pick your brain about how these kind of elements fit into your psyche especially when you're in the sporting world you know like you're um competing against world-class athletes i mean these are females that are from around the globe um with the same intent that you have and yet you're essentially you know a few years into it and you've already you're already holding world records so to me that's a mindset difference there's a there's a margin between your mindset and someone else's mindset even though it's a collective mindset you know these this record that you've that you've beaten the world record that you now own has probably been there for at least a little while um although in the in the weightlifting world i'm sure there's a probably a pretty fierce competition like you said um to get the, to the top isn't necessarily the thing it's just to keep 
keeping these records going. You know, someone's always going to beat a world record. Next year, it's going to be beat again. So it's really just kind of climbing and attaining a better goal every single year or, you know, a different goal every single year. You know, you're going to have to put up more weight this year than you've ever put up before in your life, you know. So it is kind of an ascension um, where you have, you're climbing a ladder, a mental ladder. Like, okay, I've put up 162 pounds. Next year it's going to be 172. Next year it's going to be 185, et cetera, et cetera. You have to kind of um, ride this storm of like, I know I'm going to have to keep getting better to be uh, a competitor in this at this level. And that's what's cool about you. You uh, you said you're putting up 190 lately. Is that what? That, um, <laughs> yesterday I tried putting 195 and <laughs> I it barely, uh, yeah I didn't get it up. But uh, yeah, my max right now is 190. So just from last year's world to currently what I am. So I mean, it's been about six months. So I mean, that's a almost a 30 pound PR like increase. Um, and that's I mean that's the benefit about powerlifting compared to weightlifting. Um, powerlift I personally think it's a lot easier to excel in um, because same thing my back squat I think I ended at worlds at a back squat 252 which which it was a personal best at competition but I mean like I think two months ago I did 280 and that was fine so I'm like you're always like shooting like I think every time I max out I'm always shocked of like what I just did so I'm like okay the new goal is like hopefully to hit 300 by November and I'm like okay, that's extremely, like, possible, so what do we have to do in order to get there? Right. And stuff like that. Well, that's that's good for you. Um, did, did you grow up in Pagosa Springs in Durango, the Durango area? Yeah, so I'm originally from Pagosa. I was born in Durango, and then I grew up in Pagosa. Um, I lived there my whole life, so I'm, like, used to the small town, and if anyone knows anything about Pagosa, it doesn't kind of have that weightlifting background. Right. Um, so it was kind of weird when I started... I guess I did the whole thing of going into weightlifting um, because my parents still probably don't know much about it. I think they're super confused um, about the whole thing because, yeah, I grew up in Pagosa and I come from a Hispanic background, so I think sports weren't always, like, the biggest influencers in our lives. So I think it was shocking even when my parents and I played volleyball competitively and then that's what I chose to go in for volleyball or to college with um, and then lacrosse. It was kind of like all, everything kind of happened at once. So um, even now, like when people ask me that idea of weightlifting, they always are curious of how I got into it because it's not something that comes out of Pagosa. Yeah. Well, I, it just, I wonder where, you know, oftentimes um, when I look back at myself, you know, to use myself as an example, I, I had a couple of, of epiphanies in my life that um, I used as fuel to kind of change my whole life around, you know. Um, I was kind of, I could say, headed down the wrong path. It wasn't, you know, um, apparent to me at the time. I was making a lot of money and doing a lot of things that uh, to the typical person would seem like uh, – success stories actually like I own my own bar like I told you um stuff like that but then I had these epiphanies of like wait this is really my drive I and it's completely different than what I've been doing um and I guess my question is is like was there ever a point in your life um an epiphany where you're just like you know what uh you know like I live in a small town there's not really a lot of influence for me to do anything in particular but I'm gonna make this happen what whatever it's gonna be um, 
has it was there ever a moment in your life or a moment in time where you're like wait a minute and like a light came on and you're like i'm gonna commit and devote my life to doing this um yeah so like i think my senior year of high school i definitely wasn't like your ideal kid I would get a trouble quite a bit from my parents. I think when I was 17, I got arrested for the first time. Um, and then calling my parents from jail isn't like, the, they're probably ashamed of it still now. Um, and it, yeah, I think my whole mindset was always like to be competitive in volleyball. And like, that's all I focused on. I think the first time I got arrested, because I've been arrested a few times, was like, okay, like, you're about to like graduate, like you need to get it together. And it still wasn't like the most like, ideal click that I had and I was like I guess even at the time like being cuffed you're like oh like it could have been worse like it could have been way worse and then in college my sophomore year I got arrested again and same thing I think that time I really clicked because I knew I could lose all my scholarships and I was like if I don't like make a change now um I don't I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing and it's not gonna be good and then I think it kind of more so clicked when I started doing CrossFit and like that my sophomore year after I got was arrested the second time I was like this is what I want to do and like the only way I'm going to get good at it is if like I stop partying and drinking and all this stuff and like really focus myself on it and I think that was kind of the light and then I think weightlifting just changed because I knew I could be something in it and I think what kind of drove me was like Every, I mean, I'm not a big person. Like, I'm really small, and I think everyone who has seen me, like, has always, like, doubted in me. And I was like, everything I've always done, I've always, like, accomplished. So, I mean, you can keep doubting, and I, even Katie knows this, like, I just don't care about anything. So, like, I think that's kind of the best thing is to, like, rub it in people's faces, because I... I mean, you can keep saying what you want about me, and, like, a lot of people like to talk shit about things, and I was like, that's cool and all, but, like, I'm still going to kick your ass. Yeah. It's the fuel to the fire for you. Right. So, I think that's what kind of made the click, is, like, when people are like, oh, like, she's getting good really fast, and, like, what's going on? It's just because this is all I do. It's all I focus on. Like, um, I don't have much of the social life that I would want but I made that choice and this is what I want to do sure and that's part of the sacrifice I mean for me um it sounds like for you too it's like I've had the haters and I've had the friends that aren't benefiting me and I've had the thing the detractors you know and um you're gonna get that when you when you're striving to be you and you're striving to kind of make an impact in this world there's always the people on the outskirts that are going to be pointing fingers and laughing or you know saying oh I could have done that or yeah that's no big deal or really detracting from these accomplishments that you're making in your life and once again that that comes down to the true champion mindset of like you know what this is me it comes down to me it doesn't come down to what other people's opinions are of me it comes down to my opinion of myself you know and will I be able to kind of traverse and find a way through and and make it to the top of that mountain that I'm talking about and um it sucks you know when you a lot of times people that are close to you especially um aren't benefiting you or hating on you and it can hurt because these people are are really you know in your inner circle and in your bubble and so that you know they're whatever they say or they do might 
be more impactful on you. But when you can even rise above that, it just shows that you're uh, really onto something, I think, you know. And kudos to you. I, I appreciate you having uh, the time to come out here and, and chat it up with us, um, or with me, I guess. Um, but it is fun to, to see someone that's uh, so young, that's so driven, kind of on par with, hey, look, my life um, is exactly how I mold it. And if I want it to be an amazing statue, I can, you know, and that's, it seems to me exactly what you're doing. And uh, I applaud you for that. And I hope that our, our listeners do too. Um, please check her out. Uh, Angela Gallegos, she's, you know, local girl, um, pretty much. And she's throwing up some big numbers, some world records are being shattered by this little lady. So, uh, you know, check her out, check out the, the YouTube video that I'm going to post and, um, just kind of keep doing your own thing out there as well. Try and use her as an inspiration to be the best person that you can possibly be. And, you know, she has come from, uh, you know, she's been arrested and so have I, and she's been able to use that as a learning experience. So like these obstacles are there for a reason for you to get over and use as a lesson to further yourself. And, um, I do appreciate you, Angela. Thanks for coming out. Hopefully you can, um, be a beacon of light to a lot of these other people, especially girls that you're, that are your age, you know, not a lot of girls that are your age are so definitive on their future and what they want and how they want it. You know, um, a lot of them are more intent on making their nails look good and, um, checking out the Kardashian show or, you know, uh, talking to some cute boy and, um, why those things are kind of cool as entertainment there's more to life than that um did you have anything else you wanted to um, mention the only thing is follow me on instagram at angela.gallegos definitely would be helpful yeah give her some support um the more people that are non-hating that uh, that helps too you know that's the actual fuel to her fire and um so yeah support the people that are doing really really cool stuff and um pushing themselves to the limit because it's fun to watch um thanks again and thank you to the yellow carrot for providing us with some great food that angela hasn't even been able to touch yet and i apologize she's got a big platter of food in front of her and i've um just basically withheld her from enjoying it all um, maybe it's her last fattening meal before before crunch time um thanks again angela thank you to the yellow carrot as always, this is Unreal to Real. We're out.